Thank you, Paco and Bella. Let's give them a hand. That was fun. Uh, well, good morning. My name is Paul. It's really a joy to be with you this morning. Uh, I want to just acknowledge what uh, Cormac shared and thank him for leading us in that time of lament. And just, again, acknowledge what a hard week it's been for a lot of people. We're going to be talking about listening today. And uh, I've spent a lot of time listening to people going through different kinds of pain. You know, brokenness doesn't discriminate. Brokenness affects everybody, and yet the way it affects different communities is unique and specific. So I've spent time listening this week to some Asian-American pastors process uh, the shootings, both in Monterey Park and in Half Moon Bay, and spent time listening to members of the African-American community process the uh, horrors of what happened in Memphis. And as we think about these events, it's a great opportunity to just listen to someone else, to listen to what others are feeling, how they're processing it, and it's really helpful to, to hear from them what their pain is. I love um, what Cormac shared about the prayer, just acknowledging their pain and, and taking it on a bit as, a, as our own. So as we think this morning about listening, the, the, the topic we're going to be wrestling is with is this, how ready are we to listen to God? Are we ready to listen to God? I've been married 23 years now, and my wife and I have found that listening to each other is uh, pretty important. Is that a fair statement? Anybody agree with that? Yeah? Listening is pretty important. Yeah, exactly. We've got some claps even. Um, and we had this pattern going on in our, in our marriage. This is maybe about several years ago when our kids were younger, and we have five children, and so when they were younger, there was kind of just a lot of time, a lot of attention, a lot of chaos in the house, which is great and fun and all the things. Um, and my wife had a season of staying home to, to raise them, but I would come home from work, and um, you may not realize this about me, but I like to be listened to. <laughs> Should be obvious. Um, so I would come home from work and I would want to be listened to and I would walk in the door and I would want to talk about my day and all the things I experienced and process everything and uh, understandably so, my wife wasn't quite ready to listen to me at the moment. There were like 12 other things going on and so we developed this ritual where after the kids went to bed, I would prepare a cup of decaf coffee for her and we'd sit down, things were calm and then she'd say, okay, I'm ready to listen. Now, in the moment, uh, that little ritual actually hurt my feelings a bit because, see, I like to think that what I have to say is so fascinating and interesting that it's worth dropping everything in the moment to listen to me. I'm sure you all agree. Uh, but upon reflection, I realized that, that this practice of her actually going through the work to prepare to listen meant more, that it was something significant, that she would actually be willing to get into a place where she was fully attentive and able to listen to me. What we're going to see this morning as we look in the book of Exodus is we're going to watch God prepare his people to listen to them, to do some things specifically for them, to get them in a place where they're able to hear from him. 
We're in the middle of a series on Exodus, and if you've been with us, you've seen us go through a lot of different stories of what God has done for his people. We've seen God free his people from slavery. That was mostly last fall. And for the last several weeks, we've seen God taking his people in the desert through various stages, providing for them in different ways. We've seen him uh, provide water, provide manna, all these different things. And all of this has been leading up to a very important chapter of the Bible that we are going to talk about next week. This week, God's going to do one more set of things to get his people ready to receive the greatest gift that he will give them, which is the law. He will give them the Ten Commandments next week, reveal his heart for what life is supposed to look like. But before he gets there, he wants to get them ready to listen. Now, I think for us, we need this message maybe even more than the ancient Israelites did. We live in a world where there is constant noise. How many of you have had the experience, uh, this is a pretty regular experience in my household, where you talk to someone and then realize that they have AirPods in and they didn't hear you. And you just feel like, okay, I'm an idiot. And you just keep talking because it's kind of fun and eventually you tap the shoulder or something. I, I kind of wonder if that's how God feels towards us <laughs> most of the time. Hey, I'm, I'm talking, maybe you could take one out and listen for a minute. Uh, the New Yorker ran an article several years ago where they suggested that noise pollution was going to be our next public health crisis. Of course, they were wrong because we had a pandemic and all. So they got that a little wrong, but the, the principle of us just living in constant beeping and buzzing and noise and texts and chats and this and emails and trying to sort through all the things is just our daily experience. So how is it that we can clear out some space where God's voice is discernible? What can we do for ourselves to prepare ourselves to hear well? As we watch what God does for the Israelites, we're going to see some themes that we can apply to our lives as well. Let's get started. We're in uh, chapter 19. And I'm going to start by reading verses 1 to 2. On the third new moon, after the people of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, that's about three months, on that day they came into the wilderness of Sinai. They set out from Rephidim and came into the wilderness of Sinai, and they encamped in the wilderness. There Israel encamped before the mountain. Three months after leaving Egypt, they arrive at the base of Mount Sinai. And this is the spot that the rest of Exodus will take place at. In fact, they don't leave this spot in front of Mount Sinai until about halfway through the next book of the Bible. This is where God's people have been led. This is the destination where God wants to get them to. They finally arrive here. And getting here is actually the fulfillment of a promise that we heard way back in the fall. Listen to Exodus 3, chapter 12. This is when... Moses went up on the mountain, and he encountered God's voice in a burning bush. This is what God said to Moses. He said, but I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. That was Mount Sinai. 
And now, 16 chapters later, we see God fulfilling his promise, leading all the people there to the same spot where everything began. I want to show us a picture of what is probably Mount Sinai. Now, there's a couple different uh, candidates for what the original Mount Sinai was. This is kind of the leading candidate. Um, so this is a picture of the area today. And you can kind of see that big open space in front of the mountain. That's where God's people might have camped. Today, it takes about two to three hours to hike up to the top of that mountain. Figure it took Moses a little longer because he didn't have great hiking shoes. Uh, but this is where all of this might have taken place. If not this exact spot, probably somewhere very similar. And you can see kind of the, just the, uh, the, the, the drama and, and the majesty, really, of this mountain springing up from the ground. And as we look at this, I want to imagine all the things that have led God's people to this place. The horror of being in Egypt, the, the drama of being freed and rescued out of that place, being led through the Red Sea, seeing Egyptian armies destroyed, having God rain down bread, finding water from a rock, all of those things leading God's people here to the place where God is going to speak to them. And I want to invite you to think about what has led you here today. All of the things that have happened in your life, whether it's years ago or just this week or all the various forces, all the ways that God has worked to bring you to this place today, whether you're here in this room or online or out on the patio, you're together and you're in a place where presumably God might speak to you. What has brought you here? And now that God has brought his people to the base of Mount Sinai, finally he speaks to them and he begins this process of preparing them. Listen to verses 3 to 6. While Moses went up to God, the Lord called to him out of the mountain saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the people of Israel, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now therefore... If you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. Now this language that God is using here is uh, basically him, before he gives them his law, telling them, I'm going to tell you how to live, and I just want to make sure that you're willing to hear it. He says, if you will listen to me and obey you, then, then you will experience a life of blessing. He's asking them, is this what you want? Do you want me as your God? Do you want to listen to me and to my way of life? Before he speaks, he just wants to make it very clear to them, will you Listen to me. Now, that's a great question for us to start with. You're here, you've come, you're watching, but are you willing to listen to God? 
Are you willing to listen? A lot of us might say we are. We might say, oh, absolutely. Like, God, whenever you want to check in, I'm here, I'm ready. But if you look at our lives and look at the ways we spend our time, the things we're engaged in, would somebody else look at us and say, oh, yeah, that person is waiting to hear from God. I, I can see the space they've created for God to speak. Or do we just expect God to break through? Now, don't get me wrong. God can interrupt our lives when he wants. He can show up and he has and he will and he does come when we least expect it and he speaks through all the noise and he breaks through. But I think that's the exception. And if we really want to hear from God, if we have this willingness, then it requires the making of some space. And so God begins by asking his people, if you're willing to listen and obey, then I'll speak. And the people of God respond enthusiastically. Listen to their response in verse 8. They say, all the people answered together and said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. And Moses reported the words to the people of the Lord. Now, God's people in unison respond to him, yes, we are willing to listen to you. Now, some of us in the room know how the rest of the story goes from here. And so we might hear those words with a little bit of skepticism and say, really, God's people? Because it doesn't look like you're ready to listen. But let's, uh, let's give them the benefit of the doubt for now and say that at least at this point, they are expressing the willingness to listen. They're actually going to repeat this phrase again in Exodus 24. We'll get there at the end of the giving of the law. But at this point, God's people have said, we want to listen to you. Now, it's important for us to realize that if we want something to happen in our lives, then we have to start by being willing for it to happen. Being willing for something to happen doesn't guarantee that it's going to happen. But if we're not willing, we can pretty much guarantee that it won't happen. Does that make sense? So God's people here saying, all that you have spoken we will do, that doesn't guarantee that they will listen. But if they don't say that here, it pretty much guarantees that they won't. Did I say that right? I feel like I messed that up. <laughs> so for us then, it's an important place to start to say, yes, God, I want to be willing. Here's how uh, Dallas Willard puts it. He's speaking of spiritual transformation, and he says, people who do not intend to be inwardly transformed will not be. God is not going to pick us up by the seat of our pants and throw us into transformed kingdom living. It begins with a willingness. Are you willing to listen to God? So after making sure that they are willing, God then moves on to the next step and says, okay, you're willing to listen. Let me tell you what it's going to take for you to get prepared. This is verses 10 through 12. The Lord said to Moses, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow and let them wash their garments and be ready for the third day. For on the third day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. 
And you shall set limits for the people all around, saying, Take care not to go up into the mountain or touch the edge of it. Whoever touches the mountain shall be put to death. Now, this is a little bit odd, but what God is doing is he's giving Moses instructions to prepare the people for what is going to be a unique event. So they have to wash their clothes. This would be a very rare thing to do when you're living in the desert. They have to uh, prepare themselves. The word used here is consecrated. It's just the, the Hebrew word for holy turned into a verb. So they have to be holified in order to hear what God is going to say. There has to be a boundary set up so they know that when God appears, there's a certain level of respect you have to show to God in order to hear well. And this sounds a little odd to us, but I think it makes sense that there are certain kinds of events in our lives that we count as different and so we show them a certain amount of respect. So most of us, maybe in California it's a little less, but when you go to a wedding, you dress up a little bit, right? Sometimes more, sometimes less. Where I'm from in Texas, you go dress up a lot, right? Because that's a, a special kind of thing. Going to a wedding is different than going to In-N-Out. So you want to dress differently to demonstrate that. That's what's happening here. God is saying, hey, I'm going to speak to you from the mountain. I want you to know that this is something special. So for us, uh, we don't have to do the same thing about being consecrated. Um, hopefully, you're, you're already washing your clothes pretty regularly. Um, so you got that down. I, I think for us, it's about making space. It's about clearing a void in the activities and noise and inputs that we receive. And just stopping long enough to recognize the voice of God. What could that look like for you? How can you be prepared to listen to God's voice? I think that looks different for every one of us. Because remember, God is a being and we have a relationship with him. Relationships are unique between different kinds of people. You probably have friends in your life, and, and when you want to talk to one of your friends, maybe you go for a drive with them, because that's a, a way to open up space. Maybe other friends you go and sit down and have a meal with, because that's a way that conversation flows. Different relationships are different. So I can't tell you exactly how you need to make space to listen to God, but, but you know. You know what it takes to get you to a place where you can listen to his voice. For me, I have a routine I go through um, pretty regularly in the mornings where I kind of cycle through some of the things of my day that are on my mind, and I, I work on, on releasing those to God so that I can come and listen. Because it's hard for me to just go from running all the, doing all the stuff and then immediately turning it off, so I have to kind of cycle down. And I found that to be helpful for me. What is it for you that helps you get to a place where you pay attention to God's voice? So God uh, asks them, do you want to listen? They say yes. 
He says, okay, this is what you need to do, get prepared. And then once they've done that, he begins the process of coming down, and this is where it gets really dramatic. Let's look at the picture again of where Mount Sinai might have been. And as I read this passage, I want you to imagine this. Keep this in your mind, the, the drama of this particular place. This is verse 16 to 19. On the morning of the third day, there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast so that all the people in the camp trembled. Then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God, and they took their stand at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire. The smoke of it went up like the smoke of a kiln, and the whole mountain trembled greatly. And as the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God answered him in thunder. The Lord came down on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain, And the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. Has anybody ever been outside in a storm? Like like a big storm, like a hurricane or a big blizzard? You know that experience of just realizing how small you are and how powerful this world that we live in is? I was at my parents' house one year in Houston, and they live on a cul-de-sac, and there was the, we were outside, and there was, it was raining, and about two houses down from them, the tree in front of the neighbor's yard got struck by lightning straight on, and it was the loudest boom I've ever heard, and you could see the black mark running all the way down the tree, and the dirt flew up where the electricity went into the ground and dissipated, and you just realize, wow, <laughs> that is literally awe-inspiring. This is what God does when he descends on Mount Sinai to appear to his people. And uh, we might wonder, why all of this? Why all of this, uh, you know, commotion? And I think it's because we are people who have emotions and who have bodies and who hear things and who feel things. And so it's one thing to ask God's people, do you want to listen? And it's another thing to say, okay, this is what you need to do to get ready. But this is that moment where you really get your attention. I mean, it's like God says, are you ready to listen? And we say, yes. And he says, are you ready to listen? And we can't help but give our attention to something as huge and awe-inspiring as what happens on this mountain. See, we tend to be a pretty heady place. Is that fair? A little bit intellectual. I mean, I, I don't think anybody would call us like a super expressive congregation. Is that fair? Like, this is kind of how we dance, right? <laughs> it's like, that's, that's like me going crazy, right? So it's good for us to read a passage like this and realize God is not just wanting to connect here, but he's wanting to get us here. He's wanting to draw us in and say, do I have your attention yet? You say you're ready to listen. You're getting yourself in a place to hear, but do I have your full attention? And he comes up on the mountain and there's noise everywhere. What about for you? Does God have your attention? 
This is one of the great things about music and about what our incredible worship team does is they create a space that's not just about thoughts and what we say and what we think, but it's about the sound and it's about feeling it in our bodies and it's about music and music has this incredible potential to unlock something within us. And I love that dynamic in a worship music where the sound gets louder and louder and the drums get louder and the guitar goes louder and the voices go louder and you're singing and you're singing the words and it just gets bigger and bigger and then it all drops out. And it's like in that quiet, there's space for God to speak. And so God comes down on Mount Sinai in huge ways, but then he speaks in a quiet voice. God has asked them, do you want to listen to me? They said yes. He said, okay, this is how you get prepared. And then he comes in this dramatic way. And at this point, we would be, uh, we would be ready. I think if I were there, I'd say, okay, I'm ready to listen. Let's do this. But this is where it gets a little confusing. Because this isn't where God speaks. He doesn't speak right at this moment. There's, there's one more cycle of him checking in with his people. Listen to verses 20 to 21. The Lord came down on Mount Sinai. We already read that. To the top of the mountain. And the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain. And Moses went up. So God and Moses are meeting. They're on the top of the mountain. Everything's ready. The thunder and the lightning. And verse 21, the Lord said to Moses, go back down and warn the people lest they break through to the Lord to look and many of them perish. And God says a little more about making sure that they're consecrated and that the boundaries are set up and everything. And as we're reading this, the, the initial response is like, I've done this, God. Like, we set up the boundaries. We got them ready. We're ready to go. The thunder, the lightning. Why one more round? It, it seems anticlimactic. And I've wondered about this and I've, Try to think, uh, what is God doing here with his people? And it occurred to me, um, how many mothers are in the room? A few mothers. How many of you uh, have a mother? Yeah, more. Okay, good. Um, how many of you have had the experience with your mother or maybe somebody else's mother where you're, you're walking out the door and your mother or somebody else's mother says, be careful? Anybody have that experience? Yeah, be careful. Now, as I said, I tend to be kind of a, heady person, and so I've, I've, I've analyzed that encouragement in my head, and I wondered, what is my mother trying to accomplish by telling me to be careful as I leave the house? Was I planning on being reckless, and now that she tells me to be careful, I will amend my ways and go out into the world in a more careful manner? And I think, no, like, probably nothing will change because of those words. So what's the purpose? Right? What is my mom trying to accomplish by saying, be careful? And uh, the mothers in the room can correct me if I'm wrong, but here's my best guess at what my mother is trying to accomplish. I, I, I think she's saying, I care about you. You're important to me. If something bad were to happen to you, I would be brokenhearted. You are my son, and I love you, and I want the best for you. And another hour's worth of things that she wants to say to me, but... There's only time for two words, be careful. And that's her attempt, just, just as I'm going out, to say all the things one more time to make sure they're communicated. And that's my best guess at what God is doing here in this moment. He's 
almost ready to give them the law. He's almost ready to speak to them. And he just wants to make sure. He just wants to check in one more time to make sure the table is set. And because of that, Moses does this. Verse 25, so Moses went down to the people and told them. One more time, people, this is how it's going to go. And that's the last verse before the next chapter begins and God speaks to his people. This is the moment in the wedding where the bridal party has come in and you hear the music change and the bride's about to come in. It's that moment where in the movie theater, the, you've watched all the trailers and the ads and everything, and they've told you to turn off your cell phones and the lights go dark and the movie's about to start. Or you go to bed the night before Christmas and you, you can't wait to wake up and see what's under the tree. It's all the preparations have been made. And Moses went down and told the people, and God is about to speak. So are we sure? <laughs> are you sure? that you're ready to listen to God? Have you said yes? Have you said, I want to hear from him? Have you prepared yourself? Do you, do you understand? Does he have your attention? Are you sure? And I want to encourage you that, that nothing you can do this week could be more important than creating space to listen to God the creator of the universe, the redeemer of humankind, the one who is at work in the world, for you to just carve out a little time to hear what he has to say to you, nothing could be more valuable. And I wonder if some of us are hesitant to do that because we're not sure what we'll hear. We're not sure we want to listen to God because we assume that all the voices in our head that tell us we're not enough and we didn't do good, and we should have done this in that situation instead of what we did, and, and we wish we could have done better. We, we think that that's God's voice, and so if we carve out space to listen, it's just going to be more condemnation, more about how we fell short. And let me assure you that that's not what God wants to say to you. That when you carve out that space, God wants to make sure you know how much he loves you to make sure you experience his forgiveness day to day in real ways. That he wants to speak of how you are his treasured possession out of all the earth and he owns it all. And he, yes, will give you direction and encouragement and, and point you in a way and he'll help you figure out how to live, but he wants to do all of that from a place of love and grace. So find a way to create that space and listen to God. We started off this morning thinking about how my wife has done that for me, how she you know, got herself ready to listen. And, and we've talked about how God did that for his people in the desert. He went through these really four different steps of, of asking them, are you willing, of preparing them, of getting their attention, and then one more double click just to make sure that they're ready. For us, things are similar but a little different. In fact, the author of Hebrews says very clearly that we live in a different kind of time. Listen to what the author of Hebrews says in uh, chapter 12, verse 18. For you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest and the sound of a trumpet. He's describing what we just read. And it says, you have not come to that kind of a mountain. He says in verse 24, 
You have come to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, unto the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word. And so as we come to Jesus, these ideas of being prepared to listen still hold true, but it's a different voice that we will hear. It's the voice of our Savior, the one who sacrificed himself for us. And when Jesus was on earth, he actually recreated this scene as part of his ministry. Listen to what happened in Luke 9. I'm going to read verses 28 and then jump forward a little bit. Now, about eight days after these sayings, he took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. Jesus took three of his disciples up on the mountain and pray. And while he was there, Moses and Elijah appeared with them. Going up to the mountain, coming down to the mountain, it's just like Exodus 19. Verse 34, 35, as he was saying these things, a cloud came and overshadowed them. And they were afraid as they entered the cloud. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. And that's the invitation for us this morning. Listen to Jesus. Listen to Jesus. God has spoken to him. He's spoken through him to us. So when God uh, was preparing the people in the desert, he gave them an opportunity to articulate their willingness. He said, if you will listen and obey, I will make you a treasured nation. And they all together responded. So what I'd like to do for us this morning is give us the same kind of opportunity to as a community, indicate our willingness to listen to God. Because again, that doesn't guarantee it's going to happen, but it won't happen without that willingness. So let's say that together. So I want to invite the band to come back up forward. And as the band's assembling, I'll explain what we're going to do. I'm going to read again that passage where we hear the voice from heaven speaking about God's son, about Jesus. And we're going to take that instruction. Listen to him as an invitation for us to respond. Now, we have the power of the Spirit. We, if we are followers of Jesus, have the Holy Spirit in our lives, and so we know that we cannot do this on our own. This is not something we can make happen, but we know that by the Spirit, we can do this. And so I want to invite us to respond with the words, by the Spirit, we will listen. Now, this is not something you have to do. I don't want to put words in your mouth. So this is an invitation for you to say this if you mean it. If you want to take this opportunity today to articulate a willingness to listen to God. And what I want to invite you to do is if you're going to say those words, don't just say it as an abstract, generalized concept. Like, yeah, 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 I'm, I'm going to listen. Pick something you're going to do this week to play those words out. You know, maybe it's, I'm going to go for a 10-minute walk by myself and take my AirPods out, and I'm going to create space to listen to God. Maybe it's, I'm going to wake up early and, and read some scripture and see what God has to say to me there. Maybe it's something else. Maybe there's a different way. But, but think in your mind of something specific that you intend to do this week. And when you say the words, if you choose to say them, by his spirit, we will listen. That's what you're saying, that you intend to at least this week create a little bit of space to see what God might say to you. Sound good? All right, I'm going to read Jesus' words and invite us to respond. Luke 9, 
34 and 35, as he was saying this, you could even imagine, sorry, recall that picture of Mount Sinai in your head as you hear this. Think about Jesus on the mountain. As he was saying these things, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. And as a group, we can respond, by the power of the Spirit, we will listen. Let's say it one more time. By the power of the Spirit, we will listen.